If you have a story you would like to hear featured on this podcast, please go to AsTheRavenDreams.com and click the button to submit your story. Also, if the platform you're listening on has the option to rate this podcast, please consider doing so. And thank you. I was an elementary school teacher for about 15 years, and one thing I learned about children, very young ones, is that they have no filter. They will say whatever is on their mind, and for the most part, it's true. Unless they fear they may be in trouble, of course. With this in mind, I have heard many, many stories from kids. Some quite alarming and just bizarre. I wanted to share one with you that I remember quite well that has stuck with me all of these years. This was when I taught first grade. There was a little girl that I will call Sally. Sally started class about halfway through the school year, as her family had just moved to the area. I do what I normally do and introduce myself to her outside of the class and ask if she would like to share something with the class, or just introduce her from her seat. I didn't like to put kids on the spot if they didn't need to be. She asked to do it from her seat, as she was very shy, and it showed. Everyone was very kind when they looked at her and said hi, and some kids even tried to invite her to play with them. She would refuse, however, and would watch them from the side typically just singing to herself. Finally, we did a team activity, so I did push her a little to intermingle with her classmates, and she actually became good friends with another girl. At one point while they were at recess, Sally came up to me after scraping her knee and asked to clean it up. I took her into the restroom to get a rag and then back to the classroom, as I kept my own supply of bandages. As I helped her get all fixed up, I asked her if she was liking her class and her new friends. She smiled and nodded at me. I didn't say much else, and then she said a bit more than I expected, and it left me confused. She told me, at first I was scared because in my last life the kids were very mean to me. I of course just assumed she meant her last school and maybe she had problems there. It was upsetting to hear about because she was a really smart and kind girl, and I couldn't see any reason as to why someone would choose to bully her. So I told her, I'm sorry to hear that, that wasn't very nice of them, was it? Then she continued talking. Yeah, they made fun of me because my mommy was poor and I didn't have a daddy. They threw food at me and pulled my hair and sometimes cut up my clothes. Again. I was thinking that this was awful, and it broke my heart to hear it. But I was confused, because I had met her parents, both her mom and dad. Of course, her dad could have been a stepfather, but I don't think he was. They looked way too similar. His mom was also a stay-at-home mom because they had an older son that was in about the sixth grade, and a newborn. So... Neither the part of her mom being poor, or her not having a dad made sense to me. 
so I asked her about the one that was a little more obvious. But you have a dad, right? Wasn't he with you and your mom at conferences? I asked her. Yeah, but that's my new mommy and daddy. In my old life, I didn't have a daddy. At that point, I just agreed with her and finished up so that she could get back to her recess. It left me wondering for a little bit as to why she kept phrasing it as her old life. I thought maybe she was adopted, or in foster care, because of how she briefly described her old life, but again, she looked like a spitting image of her father. I brushed it off as kids just being kids and then let it go. But then, another event occurred with her that added more to the story. I had partnered the kids up for a class assignment, and since Sally had become close to this one girl, I put them together. As I walked around to check on all the kids, I stopped at each table as I listened to their process. When I went to Sally and Katie's table, I asked how they were doing, and Sally thanked me for letting her work with Katie. I said you're welcome, and I asked them about their project. After some time, Sally again mentioned how much nicer the school was, and all the kids and teachers. This time I asked her if she remembered what the school that she went to prior was, and without skipping a beat she told me. It was a saint's name school for girls. I had never heard of this school and I had lived in this area my whole life, so it seemed to cement my idea that she went to a different school in a different area. I asked her if she knew where this school was, and she said that it was far away and that people talked differently at that school. I was trying to decide on what to say or ask next, but Sally continued talking for me. I didn't like it there. The girls were very mean to me about my clothes. So I told her that her clothes were very cute, and Katie said that she liked her shirt. Katie was always a very kind girl to everyone, so I appreciated her help. But then Sally explained more. I had to wear a special skirt and shirt, and the other girls had a lot of them, but I only had the one and it was always dirty. They made fun of me and ripped my skirt. I apologized and Katie hugged her, and changed the subject saying how much she liked her and seemed to cheer her up. I again walked away reminding myself to look up the school when I had the chance. I had written down the name of the school, but after that, it was out of sight, out of mind when you have a class full of young kids. We also have classroom duties, and those selected change weekly. I chose randomly by pulling sticks from a jar, and Sally was chosen to help wipe down all the tables. And this was done before they went to recess. So, as she cleaned them, I cleared the board and due to our previous conversation a day prior, I complimented her on her outfit. She thanked me, and then thanked me for being a much nicer teacher. I said you're welcome and thanked her for being such a great help. That's when she sat down and started bawling. I immediately went to console her and ask what was wrong, and what she said has always stuck to me. Everybody's so nice here, not like they were in my old life. I was afraid they would all hurt me here too, even you, but you're my favorite teacher. 
this has obviously affected her, possibly even traumatized her, and I wanted to bring it up to her parents in case they weren't aware of what may have happened to her. As I knelt in front of her, I asked if she wanted to talk about it, and she was more than willing to share. She explained again how she was teased because she only had one uniform that she would wear the entire week, and that the girls would throw stuff on her clothes and her hair, only to make fun of her when she came in the next day wearing the same stained shirt. She even explained how the teachers would always turn a blind eye to the bullying, and only told her to stop complaining. Then, she explained how she ended up here. One day, as I was walking to class, the girls started following me and pulled on my skirt. I yelled at them to stop, and I tried to get away, but my foot slipped, and I fell down the long stairs, and I hit my head a lot. When I stopped, I couldn't move and my whole body hurt, and then I got tired and just went to sleep. Then, it was dark for a very long time. But I got a new mommy and daddy, and they're very nice, and they have money, and everyone is so nice here. I was in awe as I listened to Sally's story. I tried my best to hold back the sadness and shock in my eyes, and just told her that I was sorry that it happened to her, and explained that she was safe now. I even told her to let me know if she's ever hurt or bullied here because I refused to let any of that slide. She cheered up pretty quickly after that, and I dismissed her to go play while I finished up. Still, I didn't quite understand what I heard. Yeah, it, it sounded like she was bullied, but after a fall like she described, you would think she would have substantial and possibly permanent injuries. Or maybe even have died. And that's when it hit me. I went back to my computer and looked up that school that she'd mentioned. That school did exist. It was an all-girls school for ages 3 to 18, but it wasn't even in the US. Part of me wants to say that I think it was in Ireland, but I might be wrong. But the crazy part about all of that, it had been closed for years way before she was even born, how would she have known about that school? After our little moment that day, Sally didn't bring up her old life again. She grew into a very happy and playful girl, much like Katie, and she wanted to befriend everyone that came through the door. I wanted to ask her parents about her story to see if she ever talked to them about it, but since it didn't seem to affect her anymore, I didn't feel it was relevant. I didn't want her to possibly relive something if she didn't have to, and since it wasn't interfering with her life or school, I thought it was best to leave it alone. After looking into it more, I've just determined that poor Sally may have still had memories of a past life, and maybe I helped that part of her move on, so that she could have a happier and better second chance at life. I'm a nurse at a palliative care unit in an old hospital. If you're a nurse at one of these units like me or know a nurse, 
please read until the end, as I could use your help. Throughout my years working at this hospital, I have seen a lot, especially being in a palliative care unit. You see a lot of things other people wish they wouldn't. For some of us, at some point, we have to just accept things as they are. The unit I work in has nine beds in nine different bedrooms, all spread along a long corridor. At the start of the corridor is the lift, and coming out of it, you would find the cleaning room on your right, where we keep all the cleaning equipment and products, and the nurse's room on your left, along with the entrance through the stairs. Because of the building and patient safety, and so we can access the other floors easily if in need, the administration forbade us from locking the stairs doors. This isn't ideal, because some of our patients, in their delusions, can go across our room's door unnoticed, and will be a danger to themselves. So, we always keep the doors closed by tying a bedsheet around the door handles to keep them together. This is important so you know why what comes next started out so strange. The nurse's room is where we'll spend most of the night shifts doing all kinds of activities, including resting and actually sleeping. Usually late at night, my routine would include checking on all of our patients, checking on all the doors and windows to make sure they are all locked properly, checking on the doors to the stairs, and then spend most of the night checking patient files. This night in particular, I had finished with my rounds and was checking on all the cameras, when my nursing auxiliary came into the nurse's room. She asked me if anything else was needed, or if she was okay to sleep for a while. I told her she was fine to go to sleep, so she took her shoes off, laid down with her back to the room and me, facing the wall, and went to sleep. I was reading a new patient's file who was coming into our unit soon to know what to expect, and how to behave around him, when I started hearing footsteps walking up and down the unit's corridor. At first I ignored them, thinking I was just tired, and that my ears were playing tricks on me. It wouldn't be the first time. As they persisted though, I started wondering what was going on. I took another look at the cameras, but each and every one of the bedrooms and corridor feeds seemed completely normal. The steps, though, kept coming all the way to the nurse's room, stopping about two steps away from showing at my door, and then turning around and walking back all the way to the opposite end of the corridor. I waited to see if anything changed, but when it didn't, I stood up to go check. And that's when one of our patients the one in room number seven, started calling us frantically. The auxiliary nurse was still asleep, so I walked carefully out of the room, peeked out of the room, and looked around. There was nothing there, and the footsteps had stopped, so I rushed to the patient's room. When I got there, he was shouting frantically, huddling against the bed's headboard with what seemed like renewed energy, shouting at me to tell the man in the top hat sitting on the chair in the room to go away and leave him be. Usually with patients like these in a state of distress, we just go along with their delusions to calm them down. If there are nurses watching, which I hope there are, 
you'll know what I mean. In this case, with him screaming in the room, I turned towards the chair and started talking to this imaginary man in a top hat, telling him he needed to go, that the visiting hours were done, and that he needed to leave right now, or that we would have to call security. After this, the patient calmed down, thanked me effusively for sending the man away, and laid back down to rest. I went back to the nurse's room and back to studying the new patient. As I walked back in, my heart stopped. All I felt was panic gripping my heart inside of me. As I stood there not knowing what to do and looking at the surveillance cameras, there was a big shadow standing right in the middle of the frame of the camera that was recording the end of the corridor, right in front of the bedroom that I had just been in. I took one step back and leaned backwards to check if I could see anything there, and there was nothing. I gave the camera another quick glance, and the shadow was still there, standing terrifyingly still in front of this patient's bedroom door. This time, though, when I turned to look directly at the corridor again, this thing was there. For a moment, it felt like everything froze in place, and I just stood there, looking at it like a fool. And then slowly it turned towards me, a pair of strange and dark red eyes showing. It stood like that for a bit, screeched at me, and then flew into the patient's bedroom, slamming the door behind it. My auxiliary nurse jumped awake at the slam of the door and started frantically asking me what was going on. I was out of breath by now. I told her what I had just seen and what had just happened, and she couldn't believe me. I asked her to come with me to the patient's room, and she agreed, starting to become curious. We walked slowly through the corridor, passing every door carefully. I was afraid that anything would come flying at us. When we got to the bedroom that this thing had flown into, I pushed the door without going in, to check for any kind of danger, and immediately felt a breath of freezing air hit me in the face. The aircon was on in every room, but it was set to 23 degrees Celsius, so this was not normal. Nothing came flying at us like I was afraid would happen, but there, right by the patient's bed, there was the shadow. I could tell that it was a man, tall and strong with a top hat over his head. I asked my auxiliary nurse if she could see him, not expecting a no. However, that's what I got. She couldn't see anything standing there, and definitely not as clear as I could. Slowly, the shadow turned towards me again. This time it didn't scream. This time it just slowly dissipated. Immediately, I calmed down. Not only could I not see it anymore, I also couldn't feel it. This sense of calm came over me and the patient seemed okay, so we left the room and went back to the nurse's room. My colleague went back to sleep, but I didn't rest until I checked the rest of the units to make sure everyone was safe. After that, I couldn't help but stare at the cameras every minute for the rest of the night. Eventually, our shift was over, 
and that would become the shift with the most intense experience that I ever had. The next day, when nighttime came, and I did all of my rounds, I went inside room 7 to check on the patient. When I came closer to him, I realized he'd passed away. This was my first experience with the shadow man in the top hat, but it wasn't the last, and it's still ongoing. I'm the only one who can see him around the unit, which freaks everyone out. Every single time I see him, it's under the same circumstances. I walk into a patient's room, and there's his shadow at the feet of their bed. I wait for a little while until he turns to me and dissipates. Around one or two days later, the patient passes away. This is a real story, and it's something that I have to live with almost every day now. I'm not sure if this thing is killing people or announcing their deaths, but if you are a nurse in a similar unit or know someone who is, please share this with them and comment what you know about it. I need to know what this is, how to deal with it, and if anyone else has experienced the same thing, even if it's a different looking entity. I can keep you updated on here if people are engaging and want to know more. Let me know if you want any updates, and I'll make sure to bring them. If you're dealing with something like this yourself, know that you're not the only one. Maybe this will help you feel less afraid. Frankly, I'm not sure if this is even the right place to post such a thing, especially due to the name of the subreddit, which in this case was r slash the truth is here, but this has been on my chest for quite a while now, so I'd appreciate it if you could hear out my vent and give your advice. Honestly, I've been struggling with the question of life and death since the time I was born. The funny thing is, though, I can remember the moments that I popped into existence better than I remember my life. It was like it was literally yesterday. My first ever memory, I believe, was the color gray or white. I think it was a bright flash of light, but I also think it was gray or something. It's sort of the color you get when you look at a petri dish under a microscope. The second was darkness. I was floating around what I would personally call space, but there weren't any astronomical objects. No lights, no stars, and I distinctly remember my first thoughts. Where am I? What is this? Is this what death is like? What language am I speaking? How am I thinking? What the hell is this? Before I could finish that last question, I tried breathing, but couldn't, even though I didn't need to. So I started panicking as suddenly I started to feel like I was moving with increasing speed outside of my will. I began seeing lights that looked like stars from the night sky pass by me, as if I was moving way faster than the speed of light. After I don't even know how much time, but it felt like seconds or a minute passed, I suddenly just hit Earth. 
it was literally like hitting something in a car crash, or a roller coaster, except that I didn't feel anything. Everything just suddenly became dark. Not the same type of dark as when I popped into existence, but the same kind as the transition when you go to sleep. I remember having a series of weird dreams, and popping in during random moments of my life. One of the first dreams I experienced was me sitting on the toilet with all my family surrounding me, and some weird little creatures waiting outside the bathroom, who all looked at me with enthusiasm. I remember looking at my mother and wondering who the hell is that person, and suddenly I just knew that this is my mother. I remember that when I finished doing my business, I looked down the toilet and saw that the toilet was painted the color of my country's flag, to which, when I saw that, everyone erupted in cheers and joy, and then the dream cut off. I'll spare you the rest of the details, since it was pretty much just random moments of my childhood, such as meeting people or random moments with my family. For example, I can recall seeing two childhood friends for what was, to me, the first time, but to them, and reality, had been many, many meetings. And I thought to myself, ah, these are my friends. That being said, however, I distinctly remember gaining total control of myself at around my third birthday. Whereas everyone was partying, I pretty much just woke up suddenly and began wondering who the hell these people are on my birthday. I myself didn't even know it was my birthday until it was time for the cake. Ever since then, I've really been pretty much the oddball for everyone. I didn't really have many friends and everyone seemed to inherently dislike me for whatever reason. It was mysterious to me, but after 25 years of life, I'd say that my life is pretty good, and I'm at the point where I've met the love of my life, and I would say that I'm the happiest I've ever been. However, now that I'm happy, I simply can't shake the reality of my own mortality, and it's a topic that has been keeping me up at night for about nearly a month now. That all being said, I would like to share two paranormal experiences that I've personally had, since this is a paranormal subreddit. The first one was about when I was still a kid, around four or five years old or more, back at my villa that my grandfather built. I could always hear this, what sounded like a stereotypical witch's laugh. I could hear it as if it was coming from behind the window of the room or from within the walls of the room that I was in. However, when I check it out, there would be nothing, nor would there be any traces of anything. I still frankly can't explain it, but we sold the villa, and I never bothered thinking about it until I began revising my life for any memories this month. The second encounter was fairly late, however. I would say around the age of 14 to 15, about a year after my grandfather died. It started at first with some weird activity. I felt like I was always watched, 
I heard noises from around the house. Once even, my door slammed open, even though it was locked, and there was no physical way that it could have opened, unless someone unlocked it. I even saw as the handle went down, as if someone had literally hit the handle. Then whispers started as a faint noise, but they quickly grew into ear-ringing whispers. When I first heard it, I panicked, because it just wasn't normal. I went to wake up my parents, and the weirdest realization got me. I could outrun the whispers. It was as if the whispers came from a physical place, even though I couldn't see it, and even be able to pass through it. It was a tough night for me, as my parents thought I was crazy since they couldn't hear nor see anything, and I just shriveled near the wall and plugged my ears. Interesting fact, I could still hear those whispers as if I hadn't plugged my ears. They threatened to put me in the hospital if this happened again. The next one to two days, I couldn't stop thinking what it was, repeating in my mind every second of what happened, and I became more curious as to what it was than afraid. Sure enough, one to two days later at the same time at night, I began hearing the whispers. So, I just laid on my bed, turned my head towards the wall, closed my eyes and tried to listen. It was as if thousands of people all tried to whisper into my ears different things in unknown languages. And as I listened, it just suddenly stopped. And it never happened again. The third encounter was in a dream, only a week or two after the whispers. In my dream was my deceased grandfather, who I saw in what appeared to be a dark, dimly lit stage. When I saw him, I simply felt such remorse and sadness from how I missed him, and what I had done during my life, and how we never managed to say goodbye to each other, that I just dropped to his knees hugged him, and began profusely apologizing for everything while crying like there was no tomorrow. I've never had such a dream before, or again since. That's pretty much it for me. Let me know what you think about my life story rant, and let me know if you've got any ideas as to what this puzzle is. This is going to start weird, but it'll make more sense later. But I've been obsessed with horses for as long as I can remember. But it wasn't in that cliche, every girl wants a pony kind of way. This was different. I loved horses in general. Like, they were my favorite animal, and everything I had was about horses. Horse bedding, clothing, themed bedroom when I was old enough to choose my own, etc. But it wasn't just something like they were my favorite animal. I knew so much about them that it didn't make sense from my young age. An example, before I could really even read, I couldn't stop talking, and I told my parents that my favorite animal-slash-horse was an Andalusian. This was before I really understood what breed or pedigree meant. 
I just remember, and so do my parents, that for birthdays and Christmas, I would ask them for an Andalusian. Nobody had a clue how I knew about this specific Spanish breed, especially because we lived in the middle of a popular and bustling city, far from any farms and rustic barns. All I knew at that point was urban living. When they asked me why that one specifically, I told them about how I used to own one. They of course would question this, thinking maybe I misstated something, but I would always correct them saying things like, no, this was before. Then, there were the times that I would be playing with my toy horses, and I would just stop and sigh. When they would ask me what was wrong, I would sadly say, I miss riding my horse, Jules. They would look at me puzzled, and tell me that I never owned a real horse, let alone ridden one. So when they would ask more questions, I would respond with something like, No, not now. This was before, when I was a grown-up, like you. Again, they just thought it was me with a wild imagination. Then there was this time that we went on a road trip. We were driving through western Kansas, with farmland all around us. And while most kids would be bored, it almost felt like I knew the place. Like seeing the open fields and old rustic looking barns almost made me feel homesick. While we drove through, I spotted a ranch with horses grazing in the sun and a beautiful barn nearby. The horses, of course, immediately had my attention, and I remember leaning forward between the front seats where my parents were, and excitedly telling them, Look at those beautiful horses! I used to have a house like that, and a big barn full of horses. I loved reading stories to them, and brushing their manes. My parents once again questioned me, and said that we had never lived anywhere other than our current home and that we never owned horses. I remember not knowing how to explain it better to them, and being frustrated by it and saying something along the lines of, No, before, when I was a grown-up, I had my own house and a barn full of horses. But then my house was on fire and I couldn't get out because the door was too hot, so I just died there. I was very sad, but... Now I'm here, and I'm okay, but I still miss my horse, Jules. Again, my parents never mentioned or showed anything about fires when I was around that age. I just remembered it. In my dreams, I could remember how hot the flames were and how terrified I was. They had no explanation as to how I would know about something so vivid and intense, and you can bet that that freaked them out a bit too. But one of the more bizarre things happened when we went to a county fair that really cemented it for my parents, that there may have been something more to my story. They had one of those horse riding attractions. Now, I understand that this would be the first time I'd physically touched a real horse in this life. Yet, when I saw them and ran up to them, it felt natural to pet and examine them as if I were a seasoned vet. I meticulously looked over each of them, 
and then even gave specific characteristics, giving away what breed they were. The man in charge of the horses even asked my parents if we owned horses because of my reaction, and he was equally surprised when they told him that we didn't. It didn't take me long to choose a horse, and as the man walked over to help me onto it, I was able to jump up and swing my leg over, getting into position like I had done it every day of my life. When I took the reins and the horse started walking, every moment felt natural, like I was picking up where I'd left off from another time, another life. And I remember that as the ride came to an end, I cried. My parents took me home, and that's when they actually seemed to have a heart-to-heart -heart with me. They asked me to explain everything, and I did. I gave as much detail as I could about my home, my horses, people I could remember, everything. They still seemed bewildered, but I could tell they wanted to believe. After about a week or so, they surprised me with riding lessons. And even though I knew and remembered how to ride, I knew this would probably be the closest I would come to horses in our city. So I jumped on the opportunity. Can't blame them for trying. Those memories never faded. As I've gotten older, I've looked into past lives and reincarnation, and I'm quite certain that's what I'm experiencing. But unlike other kids that slowly lose their memories, I never did. I've always had a strong connection to horses, and it's actually shaped my life. I went to university to be a veterinarian, and specialized in horses, and I moved to the country. But despite the science and logic that surrounded my job, I always kept this mystical feeling and wondered that there may have been something more, something unexplainable that linked me to those beautiful creatures. I wanted to dig deeper and really find out more about my past life. I wanted to know who I used to be, as some type of closure maybe, to tell myself that I'm okay and that I'm getting a second chance. But I didn't have the slightest clue of where to start. I didn't even know what state I may have lived in, what date or year, and tracking down a house fire without any additional information would be damn near impossible. So, until then, I will live this life, taking care of others' horses, as well as the Andalusian mare that I now own myself. And, as I brush its mane, I question myself and what I've experienced. But then, I remember this innate connection I seem to have with my horse, the strange recollections and the inexplicable knowledge of a life that I never lived and somehow, deep inside me, I know that I did. Okay, so, hi, my name's Leia, and this story is about the store that I've worked at for the past three years, and over time, I've learned a lot of things about the background plus things happening to me and other co-workers. Everyone's name will be kept out of this as well as the store's name for privacy. For starters, the building is about 40 years old, 
it's been two different stores over that time. The man that built this building had a son with some mental issues, and had passed, but apparently used to stay here as a place to live. Myself and my coworkers in our back room have kind of snooped around, I guess, and we found multiple rooms on top of our meat department that, as far as we know, none of the workers know what they lead to, or what's in them, nor how to get to them. We also found a room with old meat grinders in it, which, okay, that's normal, but in the top of that room is a crawl space that leads to a room with a chair, a hole in the wall that, to me, would act as where an AC would go, and old labeled alcohol. But that doesn't explain the other five rooms that we can see across the top. The owner now, plus management, didn't know they were there, and they refused to acknowledge nor look at them, which is weird in itself. Basically, what's bringing all this to a head is that here lately, the more we've been finding, the more the store is feeling like we aren't as comfortable as we have been. The past few weeks, we've been getting more and more activity and feelings of anxiety. Of course, we always have the little noises of things settling in the store, but personally, things I've heard cannot be passed as that. It's always when we close and all get into the office to talk or calm down. I've heard our meat machines give the first startup sound, sounding like cooler doors are closing, bags falling off of shelves, and checking but nothing being there. Coworkers have explained that being in the back room alone, they feel something staring at them from where the unknown rooms are. We all see things out of the corner of our eyes and pass it off, until sooner or later we share that we've had this feeling or happening. Tonight was a good night the whole time we were open. As soon as we close, one of us had to finish mopping, so we were all waiting around and messing around as well. I love my coworkers personally, so I thought it would be funny to scare the coworker that was mopping. I did the first time pretty good. The others wanted me to try again a different way, and I made it about halfway to where I was hiding and watching him for a little bit. I watched this poor boy walk to our backroom doors, look into the dark window, stare for a little, and jump back. He proceeded mopping away from the doors on the side of our dairy cooler. A box of muffins fell off the complete opposite side of our aisle, and again this poor boy just said, what the hell? Now, I was going to scare him, but that scared me enough to leave it alone. He gets finished, and one of our other coworkers reminded that we needed to get his drinks from the back room's cooler. He refused to go back there with us. We didn't think anything of it, as he has autism, and we have a very big understanding. He does not like to go to the produce section with the lights off, which is completely understandable. You have to walk through it to get to our back room, so me and my manager friend for that night went back there to get them for him. We went back there, phone flashlight shining. I get in the cooler and grab his drinks, and we're about to leave, laughing, playing around. Earlier today, I found a service bell around in our back room. I didn't think much of it, 
We have like four of them. I'd sat it by our meat department, and me and the manager both hear the bell going off. I personally am a very get-out-panic-later person, so all I did was look at her wide eyes and asked if that was for real. She wouldn't speak, but had the same look, so I knew that everything was wrong. We heard the bell a second time, and then right after that, our pallet jack, if you have too much weight on it, makes a popping noise over and over. That's exactly what we heard. But to me, there was no way that someone could get those back-to-back, -back, and if they did, they were currently sprinting toward us. So, I panicked and ran out, the manager following on my heels. I genuinely cannot decide if all of this was paranormal, or if some things have actually just been hiding overnight in the store. Everyone but the head manager has admitted to feeling weird or having something happen. We just can't figure out why or what is happening, or which realm to blame it on. So if any of you have any ideas of what this could be, or what we should try to feel more comfortable, please let me know. And thank you for reading my story. I love your work so much. Thank you. I'm new to Reddit, but I figured I would share some of my experience to see if anyone has had anything similar happen to them. I'm a 35-year-old male, and currently live in Phoenix, Arizona. I'll try to make this brief and go over a few of my experiences. The first time I can remember anything like this happening to me, I was probably around 15. My family was in the process of moving into a new apartment. Not much was left in our old place besides the essentials, my bed and television. I had decided to stay the night by myself so that I could watch the basketball game. Everything that night seemed the same as it always had. I remember watching the game and opening one of those family-sized Doritos bags. I set the bag down after I ate a few chips, and a few moments later, the bag flew halfway across my room. I picked the bag up and went back to watching the game. I didn't think much of it that night. Maybe I didn't want to think about it at all. At our new apartment, the only thing strange that I remember seeing would be out of the corner of my eye. My dad had a big bright fish tank. I would routinely see the light being completely blocked by something walking in front of it. It would happen while I was in the kitchen doing dishes, and also while I was in my bedroom playing Xbox. One other thing happened to me that I can't explain. I got really lightheaded one time, and my dad laid me down on the couch in the living room. All I could see was white, and I heard, We are all around you. It scared the living crap out of me, and I just remember thinking that I'm too young to die. Fast forward about six years, I had just met my future wife, and after a few months of dating, I had decided to move in with her. We were laying in bed one afternoon, just hanging out. I heard a deep male voice directly in my ear telling me to get out. I looked at her trying to process what I had just experienced. Did you just hear that? 
I asked. I heard something, but it wasn't loud enough to make out, she told me. We were less than a foot apart, and it was as if someone was yelling directly into my ear, but she couldn't hear what it had said. A few months later, she was driving me to work around 2am. What she told me sent chills down my spine. She said that she had woken up earlier in the night, and something was talking to her. She couldn't understand what it was saying. It was a language that she wasn't familiar with. The thought of something that I couldn't see that close to where I was sleeping was very unsettling. About a year later, we had moved into a new home. I awoke one night to a shadow figure standing above me. I reached out to grab what I perceived to be an intruder, and it took a step back and disappeared. I didn't go back to sleep that night. On another occasion, I was alone in the house on my tablet one evening. I was laying in bed with my bedroom door open, and I heard footsteps in the hall coming towards my bedroom. There were two problems with that. The first being that I didn't believe anyone else was in the house, and the second was that I should have heard the footsteps long before I did. They started halfway down my hallway. I watched the door, and a few moments later, a tall shadow figure passed by. I got up again thinking there was someone in my house that shouldn't be. Both rooms outside of my room had their door closed, and there was nowhere else to go. I opened the bathroom door, and it was empty. I opened the door to the spare bedroom, and it was empty. Six years later, and I find myself in a new house with a new experience. It was late one night, probably around 11pm. My wife was asleep in our bedroom, and I was sitting on a bed in our spare bedroom with the door open. From where I was sitting, I could see down our hallway. It was dark, but not pitch black. As I sat there scrolling on my phone, something out of the corner of my eye caught my attention. I looked into the hallway, and it was empty. I went back to whatever I was doing on my phone, and a few moments later I found myself seeing the same thing. I look and nothing's there. So, now I'm back to my phone, but this time I'm trying to focus out of the corner of my eye and figure out what's going on. I then see something crawling in my hallway. It's about 10 feet from where I'm sitting. I look and nothing. I go back to my phone, still trying to view it from my peripheral, and now I see it stand up. It's a woman wearing a white dress. It's walking in a circle, and I'm trying to process what's happening. It sprints at my door, and just as it gets there, I hit the bedroom light, and it is gone. Now, I'm sitting there wondering if I just imagined it. The hair on the back of my neck is standing up, and my heart is beating out of my chest. After all of the background, my story is going to get very chilling very fast. I've always believed in past lives, 
and a large reason for that is because I grew up having memories and dreams of various past lives. I have also done past life regression a few times. I'm an old soul, and since I was little, I've been able to recount at least ten of them. I've been here many times. The memories are just there. They always have been. They're so vivid and so detailed. One of my most memorable ones in particular was when I was a young girl living in medieval times. For my recurring dreams and memories, I was 15 at the time. I was part of a super wealthy family. We had an estate on top of a hill and grew wheat. It was the largest estate, and a trail behind our large house led to a smaller village. Our wheat field was between our house and the trail that led to the village. Our house looked onto endless landscapes, and it was beautiful. I believe a big land battle was going on at the time. Knights would come by a lot, and I always admired how handsome they were. We were ultra-religious, and I had my own Bible, and it was encased in silver with gemstones. I read it every day. I remember feeling sad a lot. I had a sister who was 17, and I was the ugly sister. I had long brown hair that my mother or maid always braided. My long hair wasn't the ugly part, nor were my brown eyes. But I had small and squinting eyes, a large nose, and uneven lips. My sister had long, dirty blonde hair, big blue eyes, and a perfect face. And she was getting married to the most handsome guy around was also wealthy. I remember having a huge crush on him, but I supported my sister's marriage, and my mother and his family had arranged it between them. We both actually vied for him at one point. Our father was out fighting, and it was just my sister, mother, maid, and I. A few weeks after my sister got married, I was walking along the path behind our house when a handsome knight rode by. He was 16. He had light brown hair and brown eyes that lit hints of gold in the sunlight. He stopped his horse, hopped off, and started conversation with me. I remember wondering why he approached me, as I felt like ugly crap, but I went along with it. He asked my age. I said 15. He complimented my dress and my hair. He had the most warm smile. There was just something about him. He then asked if I wanted to take a ride with him on his horse, and we did. We rode through the fields, and we watched the sunset. I remember over time, we fell really deeply in love with one another. We wanted to get married. I remember my mother being oddly okay with this. He had to leave for battle and said that he would be back in a week. He promised that we would be married when he got home, and that that was the last of the hardships and the battle. I believe the battle was coming to an end. Except, he never came back. News got back to me from one of his battle buddies, and I was devastated. I was so devastated that I actually got sick, and that's how I died about a month later. 
I know this sounds like some made-up cliché medieval love story, but it's not. I'm 27 now, almost 28, and this past life has haunted me for probably at least 15 years. I felt symptoms of sickness, sadness, every time I dreamt about it or remembered it, up until I met my now husband. Mind you, I have brown hair and blue eyes in this life, and he has dark brown hair, and, you guessed it, brown eyes that light up gold in the sun. This will be important. Well, my husband, who was my fiancé at the time, we got married this June, as an aside, congratulations to you both, went on a short mini-trip for Valentine's Day this past February to a city that I used to live in for a few years. I wanted to take him to the steakhouse that I always used to go to, as it was so delicious. There were many rooms to this steakhouse, and we sat in a room that I hadn't sat in before. As we were sitting in our dim-lit room enjoying our steaks, I looked to my left. On the wall was a row of large pictures and landscapes. Not paintings, but real pictures of centuries-old estates, medieval castles, and stone mills. Everything was from that era. My eyes stumbled upon one picture in particular, and I froze. My heart started beating really fast, and my blood ran cold. On the wall was my house from this past life. Everything to the exact T. Mind you, I had never told my husband about this past life. I look back over at my husband, who was staring at me so deep into my eyes, and so intently from across the table. He was giving me a look that I had never seen before. The first thing he blurts out, I've dreamt about it too. My eyes widened, and I almost choked on my steak. What? We've oddly always been so in sync and deeply connected. I always describe our love as one that transcends space and time, so I believe it's why he could tell that I had both dreamt about it and had memories of the place by the way I was looking at it. We don't need to speak to read each other's minds. He says, Yeah, I used to dream about it all the time. I said, It was my house in one of my past lives. He then responded, it wasn't my house, but I was there all the time. I said, I think visiting me. And he said, I believe so. He held this stare. I looked at him back straight in the eyes, and in this dim-lit room, his brown eyes were glowing hints of gold. They normally only do this in the sun. And then I put it together. He was the knight that I had fallen deeply in love with. I had always felt such a feeling of 1,000 years of familiarity when we lay down and gaze into each other's eyes, and he had too. We had told each other this in those moments. And for me, it wasn't your normal cliché, wow, we are so close, I feel like I've known you for a thousand years kind of feeling, but rather a, we've been through a lot together, we are finally reunited. You're with me again. You came back, and with you, I am home. Kind of feeling. 
and I never knew why I oddly felt that specific way. And now, I finally knew why. He's always felt the exact same way. We continued talking. I told him what I remembered, and he told me all of his memories. It was the exact same story, except mine was from my point of view, and his was from his point of view. We had lived together. He also told me the way that he died. Someone had sliced his shoulder with a sword during battle, and towards the end of the quick slice, the end of the sword hit his jugular. Now we also know why he lives with chronic shoulder pain. It's the same shoulder, too. Only the front of the house and the left side was showing, as well as the field in the front. So, we continued on about what was behind it, and what everything looked like. We just continued with, yep, to each other's description, and that's exactly it. We had remembered what everything behind the house looked like. The trails, the mill house, the wheat field, the height of the wheat field, the village, identically. Once we got back to the state that we live in, I purchased markers and a notepad. I suggested that we both draw out on different pages of what everything looked like, just for fun for further confirmation. We faced each other so that we couldn't see what each other were drawing, but I noticed that we were both using the exact same colors. Once we finished, we turned the pages around and, what do you know, identical drawings. I knew past lives were real, but this was further confirmation. I fell even more deeply in love with my husband in that moment, and I believe he did too. Our deep connection grew. Now, if that wasn't crazy enough, we were speaking further on past lives that night after the drawing, and he told me that he had dreamt multiple times of being a photographer. The year was 1942, and it was World War II, and he had a memory of traveling a lot for pictures to submit to a newspaper. He said that he was a journalist. He said he had round-shaped glasses. He has glasses in this life too, but not round-shaped. And that his wife had short, brown, curly hair and blue eyes. He also mentioned having a son, a daughter, and then another son. I said while getting even more goosebumps, that's funny, I did past life regression once, and I was a woman in World War II in the year of 1942, and I worked for a newspaper. My husband had glasses and traveled for photography and submitted them to me. He was a journalist. I had a son, a daughter, and then a son and I had brown curly hair and blue eyes. Both of our appearances were mentioned as important earlier, because I had the exact same hair and eyes in our World War II life as I do now, and he had the exact same eyes in our medieval life. It's also probably partially why there's so much familiarity there, apart from the soul connection and matching energetic in-sync frequencies. All we could do was laugh at this point. Another past life together. And I'm sure there's more we have yet to uncover. We've been together through several past lives, somehow making our way back to each other each time. 
and falling in love immediately all over again. We are two intertwined souls of this universe that somehow let no circumstances keep us from finding our way back together, again and again and again. And I get to be part of something so beautiful. And, at the end of this life, I know that I will be with him again in the future ones. Years ago, around a decade back, my friend and I were part of the same Marine Corps Reserve Unit. The distance to our unit from my place was a good two and a half hours. One particular day, we were required to report early. To save time, we decided that I would stay at his place, situated halfway between my home and the drill center. After a night of barracks cuts and a couple of beers, my friend, looking a bit troubled, confided in me about an unusual problem with the house he was renting. He believed it was haunted by a ghost. I, being a skeptic, couldn't help but tease him. But his response was not what I expected. He looked me straight into my eyes and uttered, It's a damn cat. He recounted incidents where he would wake up to see the cat lounging outside his bedroom. Each time he would leap out of bed to catch it, by the time he would reach the doorway, just five to seven feet away, it would vanish. I laughed it off, attributing it to his imagination, and decided to crash on the living room couch. The stillness of the night was interrupted when I felt something brushing against my hand, which was dangling off the couch. As I peered down, I was met with the sight of a cat affectionately rubbing its head against my hand. Panic set in as I realized I was paralyzed, the dreaded sleep paralysis. While my body was immobile, my willpower drove me to make tiny movements. In a desperate attempt to prove its existence, I managed to grip the cat's face with my index finger, trying to nick my finger on its sharp tooth. Suddenly, the cat wrenched free and darted straight through the living room wall. The moment its tail disappeared, the paralysis lifted. Frantically, I inspected my finger. While there was no visible injury, I could faintly feel where the tooth had pressed against it, and there seemed to be a slight discoloration. The next day, still bewildered, I narrated the previous night's events to my friend. I may never know the truth of that night, but part of me is convinced that I held onto a ghostly feline even if just for a fleeting moment. The most uncanny thing? It behaved just like an ordinary cat. To this day, this memory remains etched in my mind. This blend of reality and the supernatural uh, challenged my beliefs and perceptions. During the height of COVID in 2021, I had to take a plane somewhere for work. Beforehand, I had to self-isolate in a hotel for two weeks. During that two-week period, I was on Discord video chatting with my wife every day, and nothing really happened for the most part. One night, however, 
we were talking, watching stuff together just like normal. She went to go and take a shower, but just left the camera on. As I'm sitting there, chilling on my phone, not looking at the camera, but still had my headset on, I heard a little girl's voice coming through my headset. I forgot specifically what it said, but I do remember hearing giggling. So I turned to the computer and thought, oh, she's just playing a prank on me, haha, very funny. But there was no reply. I then heard the voice sing the classic scary movie trope, the Daisy Daisy song, but towards the end of it, the little girl's voice became two voices overlapping with each other, like a man and a girl at the same time, and it became distorted. As this all is happening, I see that the green glow around the border popping up to show the audio is coming from my wife's microphone. I keep trying to say, Haha, I know you're there, very funny. And the talking stops. I say, hello, trying to get her to reply, but then the little girl's voice replies back with, hello? At this point, I'm freaking out. I asked another question, but I forgot what it was, and it replied back. I remember it being a pretty simple question. After that, I remember the little girl saying, Look behind you. And then laughing. Obviously, at this point, I'm peeing my pants. I did one of those scary movie reactions where I turn around super fast, but nothing was there. Now my wife comes back from the shower. I see her come out of the only hallway we have in our small apartment, so there's no way that she was at the computer. No way that she used a soundboard, which I don't even think she's even heard of what that is before. I didn't end up telling her what happened until I got back, otherwise she would have been scared out of her mind by herself. To this day, I get chills thinking about this. I tried searching online to see if people have had their discords hacked or something that make hackers talk through their mics, but I found nothing. If anyone has any inputs, please tell me, because I haven't found any explanation to this at all. When I was 18, so back in 2005, my mom was giving me a ride to work. My car had been impounded for something stupid and I had to wait 30 days to get it back. In the meantime, my mom was giving me rides to work. On Saturdays, I worked morning shift, so I had to be at work by 5 a.m. That means that we had to leave the house no later than 4.30. It was still dark outside, like pitch black and very cold. That morning, as my mom was driving me to work, from a distance, I could see a figure getting ready to cross the road, basically jaywalk in front of us. As we got closer, I could see that it was a young girl. I thought to myself, damn, caught her doing the walk of shame, huh? She had no shoes, a long white shirt, like she was wearing a man's white tee. It was big on her. It looked like she had no pants on but you could barely see that she had these short jean shorts under her large shirt. 
like the kind that used to be pants, but she cut herself to make it into shorts. She wasn't wearing shoes. My mom started talking crap in Spanish. Like, what kind of girl walks around the streets at this hour dressed like that? She was now walking in the middle of the street, super slow, to the point that my mom had to stop like 10 feet away from her because she was now in the street blocking us. When my mom stopped the car, the girl came to a complete stop, but wasn't facing us. She was facing in the direction that she was crossing, crossing from my right to left. As now we were close, I could see that her skin was a real bluish gray, and her hair was black. It looked wet and tangled, like she had just gotten out of the shower. My mom was about to honk at her when she slowly turned her head to look right at us. Her hair was covering her face, and she looked like the girl from the ring. The part that I will never forget was that she moved her hair out of the way, and she had no face. Like, nothing. It was just all smooth, like Slenderman. No eyes, no mouth, no nose. It just looked smooth. My mom started to have a panic attack, and I literally felt my heart drop. I now was focused on calming my mom down. The girl looked at us for like two to three seconds, and then just took off running. It didn't move at irregular speeds, but now it was active. I'd never seen anything like that in my life, and to this day, my mom and I cannot explain what that was. I guess I'm sharing my story in hopes that maybe someone else has seen something similar. Something with no face. When I was a little girl, about five years old, I began to remember being someone else in a former life. I don't remember the details very well, but my mother says that I told her quite a few details, and that she remembers what I said very clearly, because it was so odd. Apparently, I told her I lived in a big bedroom with lots of friends, and that we all dressed in the same tan shirts and pants, and that we all slept wearing our underpants instead of pajamas and I called our home the base. She was bewildered and asked me when this happened, and I told her that it was when I was a man. Now, I was a very girly little girl who loved to wear dresses and play with dolls, so my mother didn't know what to think about these statements. I also told her that I had a gun of my own, and that all my friends did as well. In reality, I had never seen a gun in my life. My family did not own a TV, but one day my mother brought me with her to visit a friend who had her TV turned on. Gomer Pyle USMC was on the TV. My mother said that I was overjoyed. I pointed out the tan uniforms as being my own, the barracks as my big bedroom, and I explained to her that the mess hall was where we had lunch although I had never heard that term. I then explained to her that the decorations on the uniform indicated rank. 
I knew that private meant the lowest rank, and so on. My mother was dumbfounded. She kept asking me how I knew so much about the Marines. I just kept telling her, I was there. It was just like that. We had no military service members in our family, so I could not have seen pictures or heard stories about life on a Marine base. So, how did I, a five-year-old girl, know about all of this? I have no logical explanation, I just knew for a fact that I had been there. Hey there, friends. I hope that you enjoyed this collection of scary stories on this episode of the As the Raven Dreams podcast. If you did, make sure that you follow the podcast on whatever platform that you're utilizing. And if the platform you are on has a rate the podcast option, please consider doing so. Those ratings push the podcast into the algorithm, and we all know how the algorithm controls everything, so... Yeah. I also do have a Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash asthereavendreams, you can support the channel further. For as little as a dollar a month, you can get early access to all of my content in audio format. The content's a little different, as it's based on what I upload to my YouTube side, but it's the same stories. Just in different collections of stories than how they're presented here. Speaking of stories, if you have one you would like to submit to me, please... Go to AsTheRavenDreams.com and click the button in the middle of the screen that says Submit Your Story. Now, these stories are mostly sourced by listeners, so let's keep the podcast alive. If you've got one, I'd love to read it. Anyways, friends, I hope you're all having a beautiful day and a lovely week. And I hope I see you again very soon. But until then, remember you're loved, you're valid, you're important. You're the best you that you can be never forget it. And until next time, much love and sleep well.